Welcome to Money Matters Podcast, where we strive to educate and empower you to make smart choices with your money. We believe people don't typically plan to fail. They simply fail to plan. Here are your hosts, Mike and Matt. All right. Welcome to Money Matters. My name is Mike Herman. I'm sitting here with Matt Cloutier. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Doing doing well. Doing really well. Good to be here again. It is. It's uh, We're winding up the summer. It's back to school for your kids, it looks like next week they actually get to go live in school. Is that right? Tuesday, yep. Tuesday after uh, Labor Day there, they're going back to school. We're kicking them out. That's great. This 2020 year has been definitely challenging for everybody. So well, I want to welcome everybody to our podcast uh, today. We're on episode two, if any of you haven't listened in. Uh, we started episode one last week, which talked about why you would work with a financial advisor. And today we're going to get into the real meat of the whole financial planning process, what we call building your financial house, which has to do with part of the foundation planning. Matt, and you know, I think we talk about that. There's different pieces of a person's foundation planning. You have the cash flow, you know, money in, money out. Cash then, reserves. Yep, then you have the cash reserves, exactly. Uh, you know, you gotta have some savings, hopefully put away if you can do it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, having a having a budget, I think is really important. I don't think people really live by a budget. More and, and more importantly, probably not just having a budget, but then making smart choices with your money, right? That's important, I think, as well. And then trying to not live on credit card debt and try to erase that that unsecured debt. So, Matt, just you know, if you could talk a little bit about cash flow. I know it's you know a lot of people you know they need to have money to live on, and it's difficult, especially in you know where we're here in Colorado. It's not one of the cheapest states to live. So talk a little bit about how people can manage their cash flow. Sure. Well, and I think it starts with exactly what you said is, is, is just knowing and budgeting at its core is really just looking at tracking, planning, and controlling the inflows and outflows of, uh, of your money, of your income. And so I think at, at the baseline, what a lot of people find is just okay where is my money going and uh, you know it's it's i think today more than ever it's easy to kind of set it and forget it all all the paychecks today are auto deposited and everything's on a credit card or debit card and so i i don't know if you've experienced this mike but i i know clients that don't know how to balance a checkbook or even know what a budget is uh, yeah that's a great point i mean today i mean how many people a lot of people don't even have checks anymore. It's not even about balancing their checkbook. They don't have checks. They use Visa debit cards. So I think when you revolve the plastic, it tends to let you spend more than what you probably should. Would that be fair to say? I, I think so. And that's why, I guess, from the starting point, just analyzing the current situation and determining what your goals are and and figuring out what the plan is for spending habits is is what's most helpful for people starting out, you know. Right. You know, and I found something that's helpful, especially for younger people, uh, and, and really for anybody, I think, today, where we're getting away from checks, we're going to debit cards, uh, everything's automated payment. You can just go out and put your card on the reader now, and you know, and it scans it and takes the money from your account, is... What I found useful with a lot of people is you have a cash allowance. Mm. And by having, I mean, I, I think I probably could talk to 10 people today, and I bet you 8 out of 10 don't carry cash with them anymore. Nobody has cash in their wallet. Do you, know, you have any cash? No, I, I don't have any cash with me. I got a credit card. 
I can Venmo you the money, Mike. I can Venmo you the money, yeah, whatever, right? So what I think works well, what I like, Pam, get my wife gets on me because I always ask her for cash, but I'd rather have the cash because I can track my spending by the cash that's in my wallet. So she gives me $100 for a week, and I'm down to 5 bucks, and it's Thursday. Well, then, you know, I, I don't want to be using credit cards to spend money if I'm tracking my budget that way. So sometimes I think it makes sense to, to work on an actual cash uh, allowance that you have other than your normal bills that come through, right? If you're maybe renting or you have a house and you have your, your normal day-to-day -day expenses coming out of your, your checking account, most of those are automated too today. I mean, just about everything you can do today, you don't even have to mail in your bills anymore. It's all automated just automatically. So once you get past them expenses, then giving yourself that cash allowance that you're not going to spend more than that, you know, per week. And if you don't spend all of it one week, guess what you have the next week? Extra money. You have more money. Extra more money. money. Where did that come from? That's right. You have more money. You have extra money to spend that next week. So, you know, the advantage is you, it really teaches you how to budget and how to refrain from, uh, from not spending. So going from cash flow, I think we... I think you'd agree, Matt. We look at it as a bucket, right? You got the faucet up top, all the money coming in, paychecks, whatever else, and then you have the faucet on the bottom and money going out. Yeah, yeah. And I've always believed, and I think you're you're in agreement on this. You know, the people that save first and spend what's left will always be better off than those who spend first and save what's left. I agree. I agree <laughs> because what typically happens when we spend first and save what's left, there's there's nothing left. Right. Right. And that and that leads us to kind of maybe the next thing. When there's nothing left and we're still spending, what do we end up doing? Taking on debt. Taking on debt, credit card debt, right? The unsecured bad debt, right? We get get ourselves into credit card problems, whether it be the holidays, whether it be family vacations or whatever. I think there's a point for credit cards, and I think you would agree, right? If you're gonna charge things to get points and get awards oh, and sure. cash back and stuff like that, but we really want to try to get people away from using credit cards to um, add those unnecessary expenses to it. Now, credit cards are good because if you have an unexpected, you know, a vehicle breakdown or, you know, you blow a tire and they tell you you got to replace all four tires and you weren't expecting that, there are, there are those unexpected events that credit cards can be helpful for if you don't have the money in the bank to, in the emergency fund to fund that, right? So... Yeah, and that's where I see, I think people maybe get the disconnect there is true unexpected expenses. You know, I'm not talking about that 70-inch TV went on sale at Costco and we better put it on the credit card. Right. But actual things that are emergencies, yeah. And how many people or how many um, products and services out there today tout using debt unsecured debt to finance. You know, how many times you hear a TV ad and go, we have 0% financing for 12 months. Come down and buy your new living room set. Mm -hmm. And people just get, they get enveloped in that. I think one, because people love to buy, right? It's it's fun to buy stuff. It's fun to go out. It's enjoyable. I mean, there's, I think some people um, get a thrill out of it. You know, it kind of puts them in a good mood. It sounds good. Yep. Until yep. about three go. months go by and you get the credit card bill for $9,000 and <laughs> you got to start figuring out how to pay that thing off. And then a year goes by and the 0% interest is up. And guess what they do on the credit card? If you don't flip that credit card to another one, they're going to raise that interest rate probably to 18, 
And that's where people get nailed. That's where people get in trouble with credit cards. So um, so I think, you know, with the credit card debt, it really ties into the next piece, the budget. And let's talk a little bit about the budget, because I, I guarantee you that if people that are listening to this and anybody else out there today, I think probably less than, you know, 20, I'd say probably less than 20% of people actually have a real defined written budget and live by it. Would you agree or would you think it'd be less or more? Uh, yeah, I, I would guess that would be about right. There are responsible people out there that have a, you know, an Excel spreadsheet and track every dollar. And there are financial uh, people that tout the every dollar budget or say track every cent. And right. I don't know if that's realistic for everyone, but I, I think of the people that have a budget, they at least have some kind of vague sense or a tracking method to see, okay, are there more dollars coming in and going out? Uh, at the end of the day, though, the other side of that number, most people don't have any idea when they come in, and they really don't know. I think you had a client that was spending a fortune at Starbucks, right, Mike? And they didn't even know it. Yeah, I mean, this is a client that were pretty well off. I mean, they were approaching $300,000 a year of income, so they always had money to spend. So having a budget wasn't really important. Uh, the way they had their budget is as long as they had more money coming in than they had going out, they were good. Well, when we sat down and did their financial plan, we couldn't account for about, uh, I was just shy of about $11,000 a year in expenses. And they had no idea. They couldn't figure it out. They're like, we have no idea. We've given you everything. And Tabitha in our office went in and said, here, let me, why don't you get me three months of your bank statements? Let me just scrub it and see if there's anything out of the ordinary we missed. Well, she did, and she found out that they were spending an average of seven to $900 a month at Starbucks. Wow. And they had no clue that it was that much because they didn't pay cash. You know, she would go in, with, if it was school time, she would go in with the kids and tell, you know, you charge 30, 40 bucks at Starbucks with three kids and an adult in, in no time at all. And when he went in to buy coffee, and he was a very big coffee drinker, it wasn't the house coffee, it was the you know, double latte with the espresso shot that was eight bucks a pop. So when we evaluated that and showed that to him, it was one, it was shocking to him. It was hard for them to believe. And they were using debit cards. So it was easy. They didn't, you know, you drive up to the window, you pick up your stuff, you give them your debit card, they debit it. If he went there two, three times a day, you take that time six days a week at eight bucks a shot, you can see how quickly that adds up. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, one thing they learned from it, which is, again, what I talked about just a few minutes ago is not just so much the budget, but making smart choices with your money, right? Lifestyle. I can go to, I can go to McDonald's in the morning and get me a cup of coffee with two cream for a buck for 99 cents instead of going to Starbucks and spending three, $4. Now, is it about the experience? Yes. If you've got the money to enjoy the experience, go to Starbucks. But if you don't, not only having a budget, but watch where you're spending your money and how you're spending your money. And I'm not going to say that, my family situation's well off, but, you know, we do good, right? We're doing all right. My wife still goes to Ross. She still goes to all the secondhand stores and buys clothes that are good that couldn't sell in the name brand stores like Nordstrom. She goes to Nordstrom Rack. I don't even know what the heck that is, but, you know, she finds great deals there at about half the price she would uh, find if she went to a regular store to do uh, her shopping on. So, again, I think when you have a budget, it's about, one, you've got to develop the what we call the floor expenses, right, Matt? Your fixed expenses, yep. Yeah, the, the ones that got to be paid. Your rent's got to be paid. The car, car insurance has got to be paid. Car payments got to be paid, right? Your health insurance, whatever it is that you have. And, and you've got to be a good shopper. 
right? You've got to be, there's lots of options out there for auto insurance. You know, you can really find some great auto insurance deals if you just do a little bit of research and find some ways to save money. Could be increasing your deductibles, um, you know, driving good, right? We all think we all get in our car and we drive and it's a privilege rather than what we should be looking at is it's a right or right versus privilege, I guess is what I should say. And we don't drive very good sometimes. So, you know, I like all these apps like Allstate's doing. You can get 35% off if your app tracks your vehicle on braking and speeding. So there's a lot of ways you can save money. And insurance is a big piece of it because insurance is expensive, right? I mean, when you tack in renter's insurance or house insurance and car insurance and medical insurance and even medical you know, there's a way to shop for medical and be prudent about that. Why you should reach out and work with a good team of advisors who can help you find that that maybe more affordable uh, insurance plan inside your budget. Yeah, with the budget, I think you look at them fixed expenses, the ones that have to be paid. Then there's the want expenses, right? Those are the things we want to go out to the bar with our friends on Saturday night and have dinner. Uh, we want to go to the movies. We want to do this, want to do that. And I think people, you know, when you're in a when you're in a budget crunch, you have to kind of figure out how to how to not give up what you're doing today, but how to alter your lifestyle to accommodate for your budget and your income. So I think COVID-19 has been a perfect example of altering your lifestyle and your budget, right? Because we were forced into staying at home, but I don't think many people, if they, you know, like their cocktails and on the weekend, stopped using cocktails. They went to the liquor store and bought cocktails. Well, sure they did. what we found out is going to the liquor store and buying cocktails is a lot cheaper than going to the bar and buying cocktails. You can make eight Manhattans for the price of one Manhattan you pay for at a bar. So I think we, we learned that we don't have to be out in that ambiance to still enjoy what we're doing. We could still have people over our house and enjoy people's company. And we don't have to pay the expensive uh, marked up prices out there. Same thing with the grocery store, right? There's there's plenty of deals if you just look for it. Um, take your cards and, you know, utilize the points on your credit card. Get the King Supers cards and stuff so you get points off your gas. Every little bit helps. I mean, when you start adding it all up, you know, if you can methodically be responsible and proactive about your budget, you can, you know, maybe you can save two, three, four hundred bucks a month. And that's money going to your savings account. When you get your savings account built up, then you can, you got some money behind you, then you can do some of those want things uh, without having to be stressed out. Because when people have this, these issues, it causes nothing but stress in, in their life. And so we want to try to help people get away from that and, um, and work from there. Any comments you have on the budget or yeah, fun story, Mike, and I, I, I think it, the root of it is really what you're talking about is being smart with your money. And I had one client tell me that I had one client tell me that they were going to the movie theater a couple times a month with their kids and spending a hundred bucks at the AMC. And once coronavirus hit, you know, they'd rent a movie on Netflix or Amazon for five ninety nine, get a couple two liters of Coke and a pop secret bag of popcorn. And right. they love it and spent a tenth of the cost. And so what right. they found out now, they said, man, I, I doubt we'll go back to the movies much because you know the cool thing of watching at home? You can pause it. You can do whatever you want. You can pause <laughs> yeah. it. And if the yeah. movie... And so I think you're right. It's about the different, uh, different lifestyle choices of being smart with your money and finding ways right. that 
you know, may initially seem uh, out of the way or they may, may not be as, as enjoyable to what you're doing, but sometimes right. they turn out to be better, right? Right. And if the movie sucks, you can turn it off and turn it on, oh. turn on something different. <laughs> yeah. but you know, but you bring up a good point, even with uh, technology today, you know, people who are, you know, paying $200 a month for their Xfinity or their, uh, you know, direct TV, I mean, heck, if people don't really care about regular TV, you know, you can get all these other programs, Netflix and all this stuff for virtually nothing. Sure you can. You know, you can live stream. Um, so definitely lots of ways to, but I think the piece is you really have to sit down and work out a budget and you have to try to live with that budget. And I think it helps you understand where your spinning is. That's and that's it. And, I, and, and the emergency <clears throat> needs are going to come up. And we touched a little bit on that earlier, but <clears throat> can you just speak to Mike, the, the importance, because I see this a lot of, of having some type of emergency reserve, whether it's starting at $1,000 or getting three months of of expenses in there, but how important have you seen that being in, in planning? Oh, it, it's 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 extremely vital because without any type of emergency fund, I mean, things life isn't life isn't fair all the time, right? You you drive down the road, like I said, and you blow out a tire, and they tell you you got to replace all four of the you know the washer and dryer or washer dryer refrigerator goes out or whatever car breaks down. You know you the only way we don't we don't have that fixed into our budget we may have automobile maintenance in there at 300 bucks a year but not a thousand dollars to put four new tires on so i think the goal is to you know try to put 50 75 bucks away and then try to increase that emergency reserves uh contributions slowly incrementally every six months or every year so you keep putting more and more money away yeah it isn't something you have to continuously fund but i think the goal is if your expenses per month are 1500 the goal then would be to reach, try to get to forty five hundred, five thousand dollars in emergency reserves. Then you can shut that off and fund something else, and then you've got that backing behind you, so that when something does happen, yeah, you can put it on the credit card. You can go to Costco and put four new tires and put the thousand bucks on your Mastercard or Visa. But then sixty days later, you can pay it off versus keep adding that credit card. That's that's where people get eight, nine, ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars in credit card debt. But they're not paying any more in monthly payments than what they were on the two thousand. They're still paying two hundred bucks a month, yeah. and you're talking probably twenty five, twenty eight years to pay off that credit card if it's at a at a high interest rate of fifteen, eighteen percent. So just trying to help people get away from that and and really eliminate that bad debt. You know, uh, Mr. Ramsey talks about that on Saturday mornings on his TV show, on his radio show. You know, and of course, you know he's in a little bit different situation, but the elimination of bad debt. There is good debt. You know, good debt would be buying a uh, an investment real estate piece of property, buying a house, leveraging your money, leveraging your money right, and building equity and re and, and spreading that out over time at, a, at you know extremely low interest rates today. Um, but yeah, that's that's important about having that that emergency fund. So I think we move into probably the last piece of our first podcast episode of foundation planning, which is which is the debt. So. I think people don't realize there are people out there that can help them with debt consolidation. And there are some people who maybe have gotten themselves into a bad situation with unsecured debt. And they don't realize what their options are. They don't realize that they can take money out of their 401k, right? You can borrow up to 50% of your account value. Now with COVID-19, if you've been affected by really any of the effects of COVID-19, you have to meet the requirements. But... You can take out up to $100,000 now to your 401k 
and use that to help offset expenses. I don't, I'm not a big fan of, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, but when I can borrow from my 401k at, let's say, 4 or 5% and pay off a credit card that's at 18, that to me is a good trade-off. Would you agree? That works. Yep, the math works. You know, and some people have maybe some life insurance policies with cash value. They don't know that they probably aren't aware that they could borrow on that cash value. You know, and when you borrow from the life insurance, again, it's at a very low interest rate, somewhere probably between 3 and 4% net. And then you can pay it back at your own accord and then pay off the credit card debt. So there's a lot of things. Not everybody can get out of credit card debt, but there's a lot of things that can help people. And then, of course, there's the outside uh, debt con uh, consolidation people. that, And we have a couple of them in our resource group, right, that we, Alexandra, uh, she's uh, great at helping people kind of get out of credit card debt, improve their credit score rating. Um, she's got pointers and ways that she can do that so you can get your credit score up. So you get a better interest rate, right? Because ultimately, if you have a better credit score, better credit score, you're going to get a better interest rate, better financing rate, better lending rate. More money in your pocket. More money, exactly. More money in your pocket, right? Exactly. So I think, um, again, when you tie these four items together, the cash flow, money in, money out, having a workable budget that you can, and, and it, again, a budget's just like an exercise plan, right? We can put together a great exercise plan, but if we don't, work the plan, we're probably not going to get physically fit. So if you have a budget and you write it down, but you never look at it and you don't adhere to it, then it isn't going to do you any good. So it's about sitting down instead of maybe balancing your checkbook every month because we don't have checks. Maybe it's about sitting down, looking at your budget once a month and see to it. where did I spend money? How did I, how did I get $500 deficit in my cash flow this month? What did I spend on? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, working in, like you said, to that emergency fund, trying to build that emergency fund. I see a lot of people contributing to their 401k, and this is not a knock for people to put money away for their retirement, but putting money away for their 401k before they even have any savings or emergency fund. And then when something bad does happen or something does go wrong, their only option then is to try to take money out of their 401k, which could lead to penalties, taxes. So we just got to be smart that it's I think prudent to make sure you have that savings emergency fund before you start Four. shelling a lot of weight, a lot of money away to your retirement plan. Not that you don't try to take advantage if the company you're working for has a match, but um, but I think making sure that savings emergency fund is is put in place. Well, Any other closing comments, Matt? Do you want to add to this piece, yeah, the foundation? Yeah, I was going to say it, it, you know <laughs> it can be daunting and it's a lot and it's about putting the the pieces of the puzzle together in the right order. And the foundation piece certainly revolves around budgeting, cash flow, uh, emergency reserves, debt. And, and I think that's why people usually will reach out to us for, for help because it can be daunting to, to work it alone. I, I just thought, Mike, the, uh, the smart budget for our, our younger, younger crowd or more tech savvy, the smart budget that we've seen people start to use on like our e-money platform can be a real helpful tool, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and there's a lot of tools out there that can help people. All they have to do is Google online, you know, uh, budget help. Mint.com. Mint, you'll get all kinds of resources. And if anybody wants to reach out to us as we close up today's podcast, I'm going to close with a few closing comments if Matt has anything else. If you do want to reach out to us, if you have any questions regarding this podcast, our previous or uh, future podcasts, reach out to us. Uh, you can find us online at... Uh, goldenwellsolutions.com 
You can our next uh, podcast coming up will be episode three. Uh, it'll be the second piece of a three-part series on foundation planning, which will be focused on risk management or insurance. We're going to have a special guest, Hunter Wyckoff, who will be uh, talking about the risk management piece and how it fits into your overall planning. We think that's going to be a very good one. Then our next one after that will be on the estate planning, the last piece of the foundation planning, which will also have a special guest, which we'll announce next week at episode three. I'm going to close up. Matt, do you have any other comments before we wrap up the podcast today? Great to uh, visit on this important concept today, Mike. Great. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to seeing you in our next podcast. Thanks for joining. This podcast is for educational purposes only and may include references to concepts that have legal and or tax implications and is not to be construed as legal or tax advice. Such information and or opinions are subject to change without notice and is not intended as an offer or solicitation with respect to the purchase or sell of any security, insurance product, or offer of any individual advice. Any strategy discussed may not be suitable for everyone. Securities America Incorporated does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional regarding your personal situation prior to making any financial decisions. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors Incorporated, Golden Wealth Solutions, and Securities America are separate entities.